Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the iGen UK podcast. I'm a very jet lagged Chris, and this week I'm joined by Joe and Dan. Hello. Hello. Synced. That was nice. How are we doing, fellas? I'm peppy and I'm ready. Good. Someone needs to be. <laughs> I haven't done this for a long time. It's quite exciting. Are to be you back okay? In the chair. Are you okay? I know, I'm just a bit tired. We got a little feedback about your absence. So oh, yeah. Good or, bad. Good no, or bad. No, it's all good. There's crying out for you to come back. Well, good. I mean, I have been away for a while and. I've been doing a lot of thinking while I've been away. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. I've been thinking about the films that have come out this year and that are coming out this year. And I feel like a lot of them are sequels to movies that no one's asked for. Yeah. Well, like yes. sequels or reboots, because that's, that's the eternal... Mainly sequels. the eternal horror, aren't I'm they? seeing a lot of sequels this year, and all of them, I'm, I'm scratching my head as to think, why is this one happening? I mean, obviously, it comes down to money. Uh, in some instances, I get it. In some instances, I don't. But yeah, Alice, they're a slave to the Yankee dollar. It just, it, particularly this year, it seems weird. Some of them, are, some of them are films from a long time ago. Okay, we need to go into specifics. Yeah, yeah. the one that immediately <laughs> springs to my mind because I saw it on a uh, on a you know the cinema sort of what are those things called? Cinemas have the little listings on the on the outside. Oh on the yeah, hoardings. they must have a. That's got to have, have a, a specific name. name. Old time is cinema listings. Yeah. Those ones. Yeah. When we were in LA, I saw Now You See Me Too. Mm. I was just like, what? Who asked for this? The Jesse Eisenberg magic vehicle. I thought, no the, one I thought the first Now You See Me um, was offensive. Really? Offensive to magicians because they use, <laughs> they use CGI to achieve some of the magic tricks. Do they really? Yeah. That's awful. What, I don't mm. carry around industrial light and magic in my pocket or up my sleeve. Like, I feel like we had a person we used to work with, and people listening to this podcast might know him. He, he was into magic, Rich mm. Bear Park. And he loved that movie. And I was like, do you not find that offensive? Because they're not respecting magic, because they're just no. doing it with CGI and post-production. Uh, and he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird one to me. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those where the film did okay in the States. It did better globe internationally. Uh, but because it made enough money, they decided to do a sequel. And I don't think that should always be the reason. Is yeah. there more story to tell? Yeah. Uh, I mean, now you see me, feels like it might be a TV series, really. Yeah, I'm not checking it out on TV In the show. same way that Limitless became one. And, like, I haven't seen the Limitless TV show. Maybe it's shit, but it works, like, as a concept. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense to me. Actually, yeah. I mean, now you say it, that would be a great kind of Saturday night, mm. six o'clock, seven o'clock TV show. Magician but, of the Week. Which, a hybrid between Jonathan Creek and Bugs. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, it's, it's, a heist, <laughs> it's a heist each week. <laughs> yeah. That's not good Let's make that. it happen. We've really delved into Now You See Me Too. Uh, my, my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Now, that was obviously what? a huge hit all over the world. Yeah. But that was a long time ago. And the fact that we got a second one this year, it just boggles my mind. That were must people, have Were people waiting for that one? Uh, it did okay. Yeah. What? But, yeah, was it any like... of the same cat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was all the same, same people. It was yeah. not one of those like, cynical, just like retain. No, is no, it no. Still, Is it another wedding? Yeah, I believe it was another wedding. Yeah. Do a funeral. Yeah, my big fat green wake. <laughs> but it's like, how much time? How much time should there be between films before you just cut it off and say no? You don't get to do another Independence Day. You missed you, it. You, you missed it. You, you should have done it ten years ago. What's the moratorium on it? Yeah, I don't know. And it looks like it hasn't really set the world alight in terms of box office receipts. The new Independence Day. Which you and I thought was fine. I think I'm quite surprised by that, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I thought there was a wellspring of nostalgia for that one. I thought least. there was loads of nostalgia, and it seems to be like me and Chris saw the movie a couple of weeks ago. And while obviously not a great movie, I had really good time watching it. It's mm. silly. The endings like ridiculous. Maybe knowingly so. Maybe a little bit too much. It's aware of how ridiculous it is. Um, but mm. I still thought it was great fun. But then, weirdly, over the weekend, I noticed a lot of people coming out with daggers for the first movie, which I never thought was the case. People, like, yeah. slagging off the original Independence Day. Like, it is nonsense, yeah. but I thought that was on the good side of alright nonsense. Yeah, it's, it's really entertaining nonsense, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a fine Emmerich if film. It's on yeah. the, if it's on the TV and I'm sitting at home with nothing to watch, I'll probably... 
delve into it for a bit and, and for the bit with the scientist up against the glass alone yeah. it's well creepy also yeah. like a lot of discussion actually on Twitter about how um, people being resentful of Independence Day because they see it the new one as a throwback to when we used to get crap blockbusters in the 90s a lot of people making the point they can trace a lineage between the first Independence Day mm. and the kind of worst blockbusters of like Transformers and the Michael Bay movies okay. and how like having that sort of movie now is kind of a regression when we are used to things like the Marvel movies good blockbusters mm. I think there's something there. I don't think it quite holds together, that argument. No, and also, I mean, it's a good, fun disaster movie, which, you know, it's, it wasn't the first of those and it won't be the last. When you get that right, that weird little subgenre can be really entertaining. Having, you know, watching people, watching lots of people die, mm. it's really, it can is be quite really fun. fun. It's a bit laugh, isn't it? Yeah, it's all right. Um, the thing that, like, I haven't watched the new Independence Day. The thing that got me worried about it... Uh, is the fact that, like, the first Independence Day felt like a scrappy sort of resistance. Like, they weren't very good and they got there kind of by accident, just by being, like, you know, good, brave boys. Um, (laughs) Whereas in this one, like, all the advertising is centred around how they've built stuff using the alien technology. So it doesn't feel like the same film to me. Mm. Like, it's not that Mm. I don't want to see another Independence Day. It's that that film doesn't look like another Independence Day to me. That looks like we're brilliant, it's just they're bigger now. Yeah. Which is a bit I think, yeah, they do that. There's like an escalation to retain the dynamic of us still being the underdogs. But you're right, we have a lot of technology on our side. But again, we succeed not through the means of technology so much as, again, humans being just humans. Well, who knows? Maybe we don't succeed. Also, is it alternate timeline or future? Uh, present day. Alternate timeline. Yeah, Same yeah. amount of time has passed since the original yeah. today. It's just we got all yeah. the tech. But like... So did they get the, Wi-Fi earlier? The, oh, they got banging Wi-Fi. That's brilliant. It, they got... No, they're like yeah, supercharged 4G. Waiting, yeah. You know, like, if you're on EE, you have yeah. supercharged 4G. Uh, they've all got that. Yeah, Everywhere. Just, just in the middle of Africa. Just for fun. Yeah. Middle of Africa. Everyone's got Amazon, like, Prime delivery now. Everywhere. <laughs> Those, like, yeah, Amazon Prime drones were invented. Just everywhere. The like, Huntsman. 99. The Huntsman Winter's War. <laughs> oh, Christ, yeah. I think my dad's in that. Oh really? My dad occasionally does extra work. I think he's a, <laughs> uh, I think he's a dead soldier that gets kicked by one of them. I haven't seen it yet though. Does that mean I can't say anything negative about it? You can absolutely say what you like. He <laughs> really didn't enjoy no, being on set. I haven't seen it because I've only I mean, seen the original. I, I, the original I watched eventually when it was on TV, but it was, you know, it, it was what it was. But it, again, it wasn't crying out at the end of that. I was like, oh, no. I want to see more of this. And it's weird that they went in this other direction because I guess maybe she didn't want to do another Snow White movie. So yeah. it suddenly becomes a, a Chris Hemsworth movie, or at least in the title, it's a Chris Hemsworth movie, but it's actually about two two other women. It's kind of odd, isn't it? Again. Like it just feels like they've gone throw it all at the wall. See who, see who goes for it. Well, like. He's available. He's, <laughs> he's not got a lot else on. Has he still got the Thor muscles? Yeah, get, get him, him in. in. Get him in. Why not? Quick. So you're not disagreeing with me on any of these? No, no. Now the, what, the one not. that I was wondering about this year is the, the first movie made a billion dollars worldwide. I hated it with a passion. I don't know anyone that likes it, and yet it must have been seen by so many people. And that was Alice in Wonderland. Oh. Wait, that made a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. it's one of one the biggest the high, films of all time. Films of all and what? so there was no reason for them not to do a sequel, apart from the fact I just couldn't imagine who was going to see this sequel. And lo and behold, no one did. Um, but it's weird. Like, what happened? What did, happened to all those people? Yeah, did they yeah. not? Did they not like it? Those did they realise afterwards they hated it after seeing it four times? Or did everyone yeah. just decide this is the year that maybe joined up? Yeah, we don't give Johnny just Depp go anything. away. Well, that's yeah. it, with did, your weird red tooth. There does seem what. He's got I mean, a red not, tooth. There's a picture of Johnny Depp, and like, obviously, over the last twenty years, one of the most, one of the best looking men around, you know. And I'm not comparing him to, you know, myself. But now he has a red tooth. It's a really <laughs> weird picture of him. Mm. Where he actually he looks pretty ropey. He's put on some weight, you know. Again, I'm on shaky ground. But he's got like a red tooth, an inexplicable red tooth. Is that the I reason? I said it quite a lot now. No, is that the reason that Alice through the Looking Glass didn't make money? Then? <laughs> I think so. Like, Johnny, do you want to get rid of it? No, no. This Nobody is my ask thing. him about that or the dogs. I just don't think anyone's interested in Helena Bonham Carter's big wide face twice. Like, <laughs> no, that's you it. know that's effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That effect was done. Do you think it's like nobody s- wanted to do that? But everyone just hated it. Like, <laughs> just then, why are we doing this? I bet I bet Tim Burton loves it though, perversely. Yeah, I bet he's well into it. 
Like that's his that he considers that his magnum opus, the sequel to Alice in Wonderland. No, he didn't direct it actually. What did he? No, not? no, no. Got a, a Brit called James, oh, I James Robbins directed it. Well, then he definitely didn't give a shit. He wasn't but that director, there. what was his backstory? He's um, he did Flight the Concords yeah, and the Muppets. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy actually, but kind of wish he hadn't done this. Oh, um, two weird ones that got announced at the same time and released being released in the UK at similar times. Um, Finding Dory and Born. Don't care now, about either. These are just the problem here is I think that's a film that was perfect in its own little way, Finding Nemo. <clears throat> and Bourne had a wonderful it was a brilliant trilogy, one of the, mm. the all time best. And so it just depresses me that they're going back to that well rather than Paul Greengrass and Pixar telling new original stories. Yeah. Together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine a Paul Greengrass <laughs> Pixar movie. I mean I mean Finding Dory has been uh, the biggest uh, animated opening weekend ever in the states. It's not out here for a while. Don't um, it's you know Pixar. I've got Cars three next on their slate and um, Toy Story four and Incredibles two. Could Paul Greengrass make a sequel to Night in Night three and Planes? Oh no, so that's too, that's too, too soon. Together, too soon. That's too soon, isn't it? So I guess I'll that. I guess Finding Dory is oh, proving right. me wrong here, but like it just feels like it was an unnecessary. But, and also, I've seen Dory, I, Dory I was the single misstep in. Fucking Finding Nemo. I hated Dory. Everything about her irritates me. And now I, there's a whole film about it. Well, it's about finding Dory rather well, than... But is it finding in, like, a, a metaphorical sense? No, it's the same. It's a retread well, Dory story goes wise. missing. Well, Dory goes... Ugh, I don't want to spoil it. I saw 40 minutes of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was fine, but it was like... like at the end of 40 minutes, I was like, yeah, I didn't need, didn't need that Just in my life. clarify, you saw footage, you didn't walk out. No. Okay. <laughs> no, they, they, uh, it was unfinished at the time, okay. so... Uh, <laughs> and Bourne, yeah, I mean, I don't, and that could be the best Bourne movie yet, but I still feel like that story came to an end with him in the water. Didn't they? Wait, they made that Bourne movie with Jeremy. Yeah, he's not been Bourne in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. He doesn't play Jason Bourne. Was it called Bourne? It was called the Bourne Legacy. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, it, it wasn't terrible, but that was them. It's, it's money, isn't it? It's friggin' yeah. money. But that's also, I guess, that generates a bit more goodwill. By virtue of the fact that Greengrass is back, who yeah. made the best ones yeah. in that series, and it's more kind of like them getting to do a third film together because he didn't do the first one, yeah. and it's like getting the band back together. I still think the first one's the best. I find Paul Greengrass's action sequences incredibly Shaky. irritating. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like not knowing what I'm being shown. Do, do you know they've never used the, t- the tagline for a Bourne movie, like the first one particularly? He doesn't know he's Bourne. <laughs> They should have used that. Yeah. I, I checked it, and they didn't use it. I think they balls that right do, up. Do that UK only. Yeah. We You'd love it. Let's shout. Yeah. Well, if you don't want to see the new Bourne, there is a new Bridget Jones coming, so that's is something there? we've all been waiting for. Yeah. This year? I the mean, this is, you see what I mean? There is a lot here this year where it just seems like a weird year so weird. where no one's really thought it through. Yeah. It's like, uh, this, year's, it's like this year's on hold. <laughs> this like, year is rubbish. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. Loads, loads of movies no one asked for. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not seeing Bridget Jones, um, and, but you're a fan of Da Vinci Code and Angel and Demons, we've got Inferno coming. Obviously. Tom Hanks is back. With the hairpiece. With, yeah, with another very attractive 30-year-old woman yeah. following him around, which I find a bit... Sorry. Solving nonsense. <laughs> Do you want to come with me and solve nonsense? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to stop now because... You got any more? No, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, we, we could talk about superhero movies as well, but I feel like they're in a different kind of universe. I, I just think that these, a lot of these thrillers and blockbusters, I just, I've, it's had me scratching my head from the start yeah. of the year. What's next? Predictions. What's the next unnecessary sequel? Oh, that is a good That's question. That's Army 2. Dad's Army 2. I'm going Magicians, the uh, David Mitchell and <laughs> Robert Webb. Lesbian vampire killers? I saw, that guy, uh, I think you retweeted him the other day. The director of Lesbian Vampire Killers yeah. has 33 followers on Twitter. Oh, he's only just joined. Oh, oh has he? Okay, yeah, that, makes way, really, that makes way more sense. He's a really nice bloke. I'm sure he is. He'll get more. He'll get more now. Just like, you did make a movie with two big stars at the mm. time. I was just looking at it like, what's yeah, happened no, here? Yeah. 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 This bridge. guy must have... I was just sitting there going, this guy must have some awful views. Everyone, <laughs> everyone go follow Phil Clayden and be nice to him because he's a nice man. Um, <laughs> that wasn't the response it's I expected. what Joe has to say about him. <laughs> what? Unbelievable. I was just bringing up a fact. That's yeah. numbers fact. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go for absolutely fabulous sequel even before the first one's come oh out. I'm greenlighting it now. Absolutely fabulous. I've never understood it. What's going on there? Right. 
Should we move on? Yes. Okay, this is going to be a relatively brief section, but yeah. it's definitely worth talking about because we don't want to delve into spoilers. But Joe and I have both played a game that is coming out this week. Yes. Which IGN... Is it out this week? Yes. It's out uh, July 29th on Xbox One and the week starting the 7th of July on PC. Steam. But we're not sure what day. Okay. Um, we're going to give this game a 10 on IGN, a masterpiece. It's called... We allowed Inside. to say that before it's come out. This is going to go out after the review. Okay, good. So we're all we're all unless they change the score between now and the review yeah. going live. <laughs> and if so, I'm very sorry for you. Do Dale. you want to do another version where you say it's going to get a very good score? It's going to be. It's getting a six. It's, get, it's, it's, it's getting some sort of score. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's called Inside. This is um, the follow-up game from Play Dead, who created Limbo, mm-hmm. and then and nothing else. And then nothing else for, for ages. Six years. But when you play this, you realise that an extraordinary extraordinary amount of work has gone into this game and joe and i both played it over the weekend i started playing it at one o'clock on saturday morning okay and i thought i'll just play for an hour and i'll go to bed i played it until completion at 4 30 in the morning i just couldn't stop playing it yeah you and that means you sped through it quite well like so you weren't like secret hunting or anything no i just kind of went because it's an entirely seamless game yeah in style comparable to limbo It's it's a puzzle platformer I think Marty did a really good job of describing it. He called it Super Limbo in the sense that Mario and Super Mario. Like, it does feel like they've taken that concept and they've beefed up every single element of it. So you are still a little boy running from left to right and you can die in in increasingly horrible ways all the way through. Um, But, yeah, the actual, the kind of meat of the experience is a lot more interesting and sort of well put together and cinematic. Do you want to give a synopsis of the setting? It's kind of... possible because it's wordless but you begin in the woods and there's some really nasty kind of gestapo like yeah there's like figures chasing guys in masks putting crowds of people in the back of lorries and then you sort of follow this lorry to some sort of facility Mm -hmm. and then the game continues from there as you travel through the depths of this place and see more and more horrifying things as you go through but it's completely wordless um and like it's some of the best like animation I've ever seen in a game. Like the way the boy reacts to the to the world and the way it, it tells you nothing and yet you intuit everything. Mm. Like the way it lights up. It's not. It doesn't light things up. It's not like Mirror's Edge where things go red when you can interact with them. It's just the way the environment is put together. It draws your eye to every salient piece of information and then goes, "Here you go. Work this out. Yeah. Here's a puzzle." And and just tells you nothing. Yeah. It doesn't even tell you how to interact with things. No, it's like just when no you, instructions whatsoever. It's just when you walk near it, the boy will look at it and maybe like stretch out a hand, and you'll be like, okay, and then you start working yeah. with it, and like, oh, it's just fantastic. It, and it is like bleak and harrowing and deeply symbolic and metaphorical. It's like if Franz Kafka had made a puzzle platform. <laughs> that's a weird like, phrase, isn't I it? I think wow. that's. That's kind of what it is. And we'll talk about it more in months and weeks to come because there's a lot of stuff you don't want to spoil and it's best to go in as blind as possible. The thing to point out is, one, everyone should buy this game and play it. Like, hands down, this is one of my games of the year already. Um, Two, the ending is one of the most fascinating, weird, incredibly animated... Like, the final 20 minutes of that game, I have never played anything like it before in my life. I don't care. It's insane what happens. Uh, <laughs> it is, it's so, so good. And uh, you and I are still discussing it. I, I still yeah. don't know what I think of any of it, and it's changing. How long did it take you to... About you three were three, hours, and hours, three and a half hours, something like that? And I was four or five, because yeah. I was combing play areas again and stuff. This week. There appears to be, like... There appears to be some extra level of if you find all the secrets in the game, then it unlocks more stuff. And I was even not having unlocked everything. I think the more secrets you have, the more stuff is happening in that game, the more clues as to what's going on mm. there are. Um, oh, it's unbelievable. Absolutely incredible. Uh, and it just, part, like, to finish, like, it has the energy and the efficiency of, like, Nintendo's best platformers at the same time as being, like, the world's most horrible boy's own adventure. It is also, uh, like, 
incredibly intelligent and and willing to just give you an idea you play it for 10 minutes and then it throws it away and gives you something new for a while yeah. and it, it just has all the puzzles are so inventive and snappy very pacing different. yeah it's amazing absolutely mm-hmm. incredible and do you want to know something the most depressing thing about it as well at the end I watched the entire credits and at the end it said funded by EU money yes it did <laughs> I noticed that as well <laughs> okay moving on yes. um, we had um, our colleague Jim went to the set of the Justice League movie in London. I can't believe they were already filming that. Yeah, like well, it started shooting at the end of April. That's kind of what was. Yeah, but Batman v Superman was shot quite a long time. Yeah, ago. because it was delayed. Yeah, um, several times. Weird that. So I'm going to go through some of the interviews that Jim got on set to try and work out what's going on with this Justice League movie. Okay, because I've, I've been on holiday, so I've missed a lot of this. So is this the, investigative journalism? This, life? this is. Be- this is kind of like serial. Hold on, should we not be saving this for superhero show? We, we did, already did it a bit as well. Ah, okay. Not that I'm repeating myself. <laughs> um, Same quote. Okay. Um, so, so, Batman Superman came at the end of March. They went in, you know, Justice League was already in pre-production, presumably, for like six months, a year even. They started shooting in April. Jim went on the set visit a couple of weeks ago. And it's this weird quotes from Zack Snyder, the director, and Deborah Snyder, the producer, and his wife. And I can't quite work out whether it was always the plan to do a different type of movie with Justice League, or whether the change in tone is a reaction to the reception of Batman v Superman. Their statements don't quite match up. This kind of inconsistencies. So if you speak to Zack Snyder, this is what he says. First off, he really wants to tell you that he loves this material. He goes, he goes, oh yeah, I just, I just, I just love this stuff. I love this material. You know, I just love stuff. Yeah. Oh. So he's a big so fan insightful. of stuff. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, you know, when Batman v Superman first came out, I was like, wow, okay, woof. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it did catch me off guard. I kind of felt like, and I have to, in my mind, make an adjustment. And maybe it is my hardcore take on the characters as far as I love them. And I do love the material. I do. I take it really deep. So it sounds like he's oh taken like, a personal wound, the fact that these characters, his movie, were kind of received badly. Well, it's because everyone told him he was shit for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so he's coming to like, terms with that. And he says, I really wanted the... This is an interesting thing. He said, I really wanted the tone of the three movies to become different chapters and not be the same note that you strike like, okay, there's this again. So that made it sound like the plan was always to have a different tone across the three movies. Batman v Superman and the two Justice League movies. Right. Okay. But then he goes on to say, I do believe that since Batman v Superman came out and we've wrapped our heads around what the Justice League movie would be, I do think that the tone has, because of what the fans have said and how the movie was received by some, is that we have kind of put the screws to what we thought the tone would be, and I feel crushed it that little bit further. Crushed it. So there he directly says, since the release Mm. and the reception of Batman v Superman, so they've had like a month or so to kind of pivot. Yeah. And then his wife, and the producer of the movie, Deborah Snyder, I think every film is a learning experience, right? And we hear what everyone has had to say because we care what fans say. At the same time, every story that we're telling is a completely different story. It's not. It's all part of the same story. We just had to take the characters from somewhere to bring them up to where they are, and that was our kind of journey. So that sounds, again, like that was the plan, to take them to their darkest in order to bring them back up. They don't have a clue what's going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can concur with some of that because I spoke to them, those exact people, at the junket for Batman v Superman, and it was just when the reviews were coming out. So they were obviously a bit in shock, but they were kind of said um, that... This is the this is movie is so dark because this is the darkest story we're going to tell. It's the story when Batman and Superman fight each other, and so the next one will be lighter in tone because mm. that's what that material is. This material is yeah. the darkest and place Affleck, we're going to. There's a quote from Affleck where he says the next movie is more about the redemption of Batman and team building, and it's optimism. It's Batman being optimistic about what he can achieve with other people. It, he still makes it sound Batman centric. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound like... We'll you know how they're pitching... Obviously, it's being pitched as the Avengers. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like that, because the Avengers never had a heart character. There wasn't, like, you see it from this guy's eyes as all these people revolve around them. Yeah, the closest would be Stark, I guess, to that. Oh, no, actually, no, because Cap, just as much. Yeah. yeah. You're right, yeah. So it's it's kind of odd that they're 
pitching it that way anyway, that it is a continuation of Batman's feelings. Yeah. Sounds like they're rejecting well, the also, idea of, a group, of an ensemble movie. Also anyway. reveals that even though they said it was a sequel to Man of Steel, that Batman, it was a Batman movie. Batman hijacked that movie, and he's the thing that kind of survived out of it. Hmm. Hmm. And I've heard some things, but I can't really talk about them here, that are a bit spoilery <laughs> about Superman maybe in these movies and why he's not being talked about as much. I don't know. There's some interesting things to be found out about this. I just think... I think it's a... Com- but you know what? They're, they're sort of contradictory, those statements. But I can see that it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. Where in their head, they kind of thought, well, this is the darkest story we're telling. But equally, if, it, if no one had criticised it, maybe we'd be getting a darker justice. Yeah, and it's but like, I think if that it's- was always the plan, then... I think they should come out and just definitively say that was the plan. Obviously, we've seen the reception. That was hard for us to take, knowing that the next movie. But it feels a bit like mixed messaging. Part of part of it's reactive. It's like, well, really, like if you've done all this planning way in advance and you're making one type of movie, how much difference can a month make of those alternate opinions? I don't know. But then the thing is, the thing that's easiest to change. And obviously, nothing's mm. easy to change. But the easiest thing to change is the script mm. because that is. Pre everything, you can add gags in. You can, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. apparently, and some of the, you can add gags in. Yeah, gags. Well, the Flash stuff sounds pretty funny. Yeah, like there's a you can on on IGN you can read like um, description of a scene where Flash meets Batman for the first time, and it does sound pretty funny. It seems like they're equivalent to the kind of wisecracking Spider-Man in Civil War. Yeah. I can't help but think with Ezra Miller that it's just going to be Kevin from We Need to Talk About Kevin, though, isn't it? <laughs> That's the final act. <laughs> That's the scariest <laughs> Flash of Please. all time. Please, so you're no. right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit quiet. <laughs> what's, his what's, what's that other Flash called? Barry, he turns up, and it's John C. Riley in the same role. Just, yeah. oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin's shared universe. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> no, it's too dark. It's too dark. What else, what else would stop. you put in there? What other movies are part of that universe? Uh, Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. Um, United 93. <laughs> again. All the sad, horrible movies about human problems. Get them all in the Kevin Good. shared universe. <laughs> One for Pixar. <laughs> Good. 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 Well done. Joe, do you have something you want to talk about? Yeah. I feel so, like you do. <laughs> we, it's almost <laughs> as if it's <laughs> pre-planned. We need to talk about Joe. We do. Uh, so we've all, been to, we've all been to LA recently, which gives us long, long, long times on planes. Twice. Yeah. Uh, firstly, I'm interested, what films did you watch on planes? That's the best thing to ask after all plane flights. What films did I watch, yeah. specifically? Okay, Because you've watched all films, so I'm yeah, interested yeah. So, as to so, your choices. So I got yeah, a more limited supply, because I've seen a lot of them for work and <clears throat> being a massive geek. On the way out, I watched a documentary about the filmmaker Nora Ephron. Really? I'm pretty sure I was the only person on the plane watching that. I bet they have My stats brow. for that kind of stuff. And it was really good. <laughs> it was kind? really good. She's the girl who wrote um, When Harry Met Sally. Okay. Uh, Sleeps in Seattle. Really f- clever, funny woman, and she sadly passed away. And it just made me really gutted that I'll never get to meet her because she seemed like a really interesting person. And on the way back, I <laughs> see so you're going to judge me again. I only watched one film on the way back as well, and it was um, a film about Judge Clarence Thomas. I don't know who that is. Supreme, uh, a guy who was elected to the Supreme Court in America about 20, 25 years ago, but had sexually harassed a bunch of women. And so it's, it's all about that drama, and it was called Confirmation. That's some good stuff. So, yeah, wow. again, I think I was the only person on the plane watching that one as well. Well, we, wa- <laughs> You're we, right, sir. we, we both watched Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> good plane um, film. Th- exactly. Fantastic. Well, this we were, is, this you is were my 10 point. minutes ahead yeah. of me, so I knew when a good oh, bit was coming. No, yeah. that's annoying. You need to, you need to, you need to do <laughs> them at the up. same time. Yeah, because yeah. you kept noticing when I chuckled. Yeah, I like, and then turning around, I was like, oh, I bet you chuckled yeah, at So, what, yeah, what else did you watch then? You watched Eddie uh, the Eagle? I watched uh, Crimson Peak, which yeah. I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I watched Deadpool for the second time, because I really like that film. I watched 13 Hours in Benghazi, which I thought was great. Yeah, is it good? I. I really liked it and like Krasinski towering Krasinski's great in it and I just love the premise of a bunch of guys having to defend this one area it's very video gamey mm. it's like that single location movie yeah it's really well shot and exciting yeah I thought it was great so this is an interesting thing is there a, a good aeroplane film or is there a bad aeroplane <clears throat> film I find that I watch a lot of the Oscar movies on play the ones that I didn't I wasn't interested enough to see at the cinema because they're, norm- they're normally not effects movies, they're normally dramas. Yeah. And I think I, I watched a lot of dramas on planes. So do you think effects Ooh, movies are what's... I won't watch an effects movie because I feel like I need to see it on a big screen. Hmm. Um, so, for example, Crimson Peak. 
yeah. something I wouldn't probably watch on a small screen because it's it's so big the, the the canvas he's trying to paint on. Yeah, and I feel like it would do it an injustice seeing it on a small screen. Plus, I don't know how scared I want to get on a plane. Yeah, as well. And if that had been a really frightening movie. Uh, then I think I don't know. What I, I might have been embarrassed, or I might not have been able to sleep. I wonder if the if point I'm... is that an airplane changes your changes your opinion of it. Then because I really enjoyed Crimson Peak, but I didn't find it scary. But no, maybe that's not, because I not wasn't scary. Well, no, no. If it, I, I just that's why I wouldn't have watched an airplane yeah. in case it was really frightening. But then maybe I saw it more as a drama because that's the bit I can concentrate on. And, like, so the discussions mean more. And I really noticed how shit everyone's accents were. <laughs> I, usually, I usually watch stuff that's, like, I'm not, one, I'm not that bothered about. Yeah. I can't have been because I've got to the stage where I'm watching it on a plane. Yeah. Things that may be a little bit trashy that I don't have to concentrate on 100%. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, even though I don't mind watching spectacle films like 13 Hours in Benghazi or um, San Andreas. I watched that on a plane and enjoyed it. Um I've got a problem with that one. Planes crash in that film. Oh, yeah. Not a big fan of watching planes crash when I'm on a plane. I see. I've never really... I've, I, that's happened to me. Like, I watched um, once a terrible run on my iPad where I was watching um, one of the Final Destination movies, but not knowing that one of the things in it was a plane thing. Mm. Then I started watching Quantum of Solace, big plane crash in that. <laughs> And the only reason I was watching those things because I didn't want to watch the end of an episode of Black Mirror where he was the pig. Because mm. my iPad has a very wide viewing yeah, angle. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's a little kid looking over. And I don't want him to think I'm watching a man, you know, a pig. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if I mentioned that on this podcast, but the last time I was on a plane, I watched, uh, what was that last David Cronenberg movie, Maps to the Stars? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. gets pretty full on in places. I think, I think you just got it. Last Wait, time I was on a plane, so I was So surprised actually... that a Cronenberg film well, I know, got, but got full I'd, on. I'd heard, it was, I'd heard it was more about, like, psychological horror than body horror, but yeah, there's still yeah. some, like, pretty intense business think, with better, John Cusack yeah. on the back of Julianne Moore a lot. That's preferable than just sitting there and watching a hardcore YouTube compilation of Ursha disasters. <laughs> well, yes. That's the problem. You try this, uh, yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> love it. Don't talk. Now you see me, it like a plane, a, a plane film. Yeah, I was watching the, now you see me too, yeah. Now, um, someone wrote about the movie Money Monster, which again I would consider to be a good plane movie. Mm. And they said, uh, this was a recent George Clooney film, and they said uh, they were annoyed they had to watch it in a cinema because. It was going to be such a good It would have been a plane film, yeah. And 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 then said, after all, that's when probably more people will watch it in real life. That's like, actually, yeah, Moneyball. That's the only situation I'm ever going to watch Moneyball in. Yeah, well, no, it is good for films that, like, some of of those Oscar films that I'm like, just don't fancy that one. You you can't go anywhere when you're in a plane. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, I'll I'll finally sit through this and concentrate and not be, like, on my phone or, you know, doing something else. So sometimes, for me, it's good to, like... To, to to make myself watch a film that I haven't really wanted to yeah. watch. It's also good, like, apparently, I think there have been the studies that people get more emotional on planes. Like, yeah. sad films can be more effective. I don't think planes. there's been any proof, but then when you've experienced it, you're like, I don't need yeah. proof. I just know I feel like I shouldn't watch Inside Out on a plane, and then I did, and then I started crying, and but it's yeah. like... It's Argh. just so common. Yeah. But, like, everyone, everyone says it. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I well up at the best of time in movies. Yeah. Like, movies really make me glassy-eyed. Oh. I was getting glassy-eyed during Eddie the Eagle. Oh, well, yeah, any, yeah. Film, oh, any film that really has was fathers being buttons. proud of oh. sons. Oh, uh, my God. What's the name of the actress who plays Eddie's mum? Who's also yeah, yeah. Sean's mum in... Um, yeah, yeah. Basically, the best actress who has ever played a mum in a movie. <laughs> like, she reminds me of my mum quite a lot. She's from Lancashire. But this, she's the best mum in any thing I've ever seen. And she's much, and she's much younger and less mum-like in real life as well yeah. when you meet her um yeah so I, I i can't watch i can't watch a romantic film or a sad film or like a kid's film so yeah that's limiting my options a kid's because film. yeah kid's films make me cry sometimes mm. oh, i could see that because like, they're pure like, like pixar and yeah. what have you so that's interesting <laughs> we should pure. also yeah they are pure we should point out also that uh, plane wifi is now so good that <gasps> we streamed two separate football matches on I the plane I was trying so to stream on, on my plane journey I was really trying because I knew you guys had done it but it kept cutting out I kept I was, using up my I never thought it would was going to be good enough to let us watch it and then we watched the Wales and the England match I genuinely think plane wifi is better than my parents internet at home <laughs> Like on the ground, <laughs> my parents don't live in the sky. Like I should point that out. They don't live. Well, in... Sort this out. Yeah. My mum's got optic fiber. What? I know madness. Mum's ahead of the curve. Yeah, she just does email. 
Incredible. It's a fast email, though. I'm actually, the more I think about this, the more that list of films I kicked off with of the sequels that no one asked for this year. They're I'll probably all playing films. Yeah, I'll probably end up watching the Apart that's from what Alice, making, That's the market. I'll never watch Alice. Fuck Alice. But I'll probably watch the others. <laughs> I could probably see myself watching all of these, even even Big Fat Wedding, if, if push comes to shove. You said you didn't want to watch a romantic film. Do you not consider... Nah, I suppose so. Weddings all right, that, that's, that's a big no. That's, he's crossed it out again. <laughs> Two cross Double cross from Chris. But Inferno. I'm actually excited about the idea of seeing Inferno on a plane. That feels just like that would be the right combination. Yeah. And then if I fell asleep in it, I wouldn't feel that bad. Has Tom Hanks visibly aged since the last Dan Brown film? I think I think he's well. He's aged. I don't know how visible it is. Yeah, like he's aging gracefully, though. I think he's, he's you know, a graceful man in he, all if, things. If he wears the wig in the film. That's that wig is so good. <laughs> oh man, that wig! Unbelievable stuff. Right. It'd be nice to know what plain films other people watch. Do people have like a tactic, an approach that they take to yeah. watching movies? On also, planes? I'd like to know worst plain films that don't involve plane crashes for people. Like so, that's an interesting thing to me. What people consider off limits. On a plane? Yeah. Porn. That's a good one, but you don't generally find that on a seat back. <laughs> no, there, there, are, there are a few, there are a few um, films where you're like, yeah, I can't watch that on a plane. Mm. It, just to be too embarrassing if other people see That's you That's why they have that it. really yeah. narrow viewing angle, but no, you can see people enough. ahead of you. You can, yeah. see what, you can basically see what the pervert ahead of you yeah. is watching. If you sit... Joe if, if, is sitting ahead of me. Like, no, like sooner or later I feel like I should see Fifty Shades of Grey just so I can have conversations about it and yet yeah that would be a good plane Window one but I couldn't watch please. it on a plane yeah, yeah it could be too embarrassing to watch it on a plane when are you going to watch that no one's ever going to watch that film now it's been on Sky I haven't even recorded it so yeah it's probably unlikely <laughs> it's like I struggled to watch like Force Majeure by myself in my house because it was a bit for, bit too much emotion it's a lot of emotion um but Fifty Shades, I hear it's not that bad. I hear it's quite a good film. Really? Yeah. From who? Who's telling you that? Lots of people have said it was all, it was all oh. right. Anyway, I'm should surprised. we... If you do want to tell us about your plane habits, uh, only the clean ones, it's IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. And we have some feedback already. Yes. Uh, not already about that subject. Yeah, well... Because people like that fast. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> it's your mum from the emails. Pre- precog <laughs> um, feedback. Um, so this piece of feedback is from Amelia. Now... I don't think any of us were on this podcast when no, this, went, got, this kicked off. She but. got in touch last week. Yeah. So. Actually, Amelia, uh, a while back, emailed uh, to say that we should get Alicia on the podcast the week that we got Alicia on the podcast. Oh, right. Amelia, uh, as regular listeners will know, is Alicia's biggest fan. Right. And made Rory furious last week. And this week. caused some division within the team. Oh, no. So, so what happened last week, then? Uh, she emailed in saying that Alicia was the best and that she should be on all the time. Uh, is that the email where she said who her second best was? Yes. And then the rest of us were just well, down well, the bottom. We're, well, we're, going, we're getting well, into we'll, this. Okay, this is Because I, I did email. read this while I was away and thought, oh, thank you. Well, see, oh, yeah. It starts really well, but we'll, we'll see where it goes. Oh, God. <laughs> Amelia. I know how angry slash devastated Rory was when he found out that Alicia is now my favourite podcaster. Now? How? What a burn. To be fair, I put now in there. Oh, did you? <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry, really. But I thought I should make everyone feel better if I hurt their feelings after Rory subtly hinted at on the podcast last week. Joe? Oh, yeah, so I, I should point out, she now goes on to list the, quali- the good qualities yeah. of every podcast member. Okay. As soon as but, this email came in, I was frantically looking for my name. I was yeah. like, I better be on there, because she's written Dan, so I've kind of glossed over that. For okay. the sake of brevity, I'm, I'm, we're only reading out our ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, screw everyone else. Exactly. Joe, you're super funny, mm. and have some great bants with Gav in particular, so keep that up. Get the bants up. Upping the bants forthwith. I'm going to write that down. Chris. Mm. First of all, we haven't seen you in for like three months, so get on the podcast again. Here he is. You have a really comical older brother relationship with Rory, where everything he does... <laughs> I love that so many of these are based around how she likes Rory, and therefore our interactions with them. Oh, yeah, okay. You have a really comical older brother relationship with Rory, where everything he does wrong annoys you. <laughs> Which I, love is a, I love the term, like, he does wrong. Like, <laughs> it does a lot of things wrong in the fuck. No, it's naughty. <laughs> It's naughty. <laughs> in parenthesis, like when he, example, <laughs> like when he didn't understand the pointing system in Keyword Countdown and you semi-flipped out. <laughs> Don't get Keyword Countdown wrong. <laughs> okay. 
Dan, if That's I remember, you're from Blackburn. My granny's from Blackburn. That's the best Woo! thing. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. from but, a place. But you're also really good at being funny. Also, you love Star Wars. Not that no one else does, but you have shown you have a show on Star Wars. Well, one, not anymore. Yeah. And um, not that no one else. Does. You also like a thing that lots of people like. I like good. But at, I, like, I do like really good at being funny. I like being kind. Good at being funny. Like you really like you've studied. Yeah. <laughs> you've gone to college. I have. Yeah. Seven years of funny medical school. Yeah, funny medical. Um, we studied mainly the funny bone. Yeah. Um, and now nice. for Rory. Mm. Rory. This you, makes me sick. <laughs> you are the handsomest, funniest, friendliest, best accentist, test, coolest Muppet on all Sesame Street. I mean human on the UK podcast. Your hair is splendid and you seem really good at eating paper. I love <laughs> Sounds like Ralph in the Simpsons. That's a backhanded compliment, isn't it? I love you more than everyone else combined. Exactly. Wow. Hopefully this has cleared up my feelings, which is that I love Rory more than everyone. Join with Alicia. <laughs> Great. That's a good well, email. I mean, now Amelia's made literally everyone else furious. Yeah. So if we could have another one next week listing the quality, the bad qualities of everyone who's not on the podcast in the world, that would really clear it up. Awesome. I kind of want Rory to be here now so I can just get annoyed with him for no point. <laughs> really live up to your billing. Uh, I've got an email from Kevin James. Uh, probably what? not that one. I was going to say. Because he's in Glasgow. He says, uh, last week, Rory... Everyone wants to bloody talk about Rory. Well, yeah. Um, last week, Rory was talking about his experience during the Conjuring 2 screening he went to and it reminded me of the time I went to an anniversary screening of Ghostbusters, possibly my favourite film, but the screening was ruined for me when a group of lads... Decided to reenact the film, uh, saying lines before they happen on screen. I was Ugh. wondering if you have experienced this sort of behaviour. Um, I think mm. I think that's a quite a common thing now in retro screenings of older films, where people think it's acceptable to talk and drink and be a bit more noisy because everyone's seen the film. Or... Can I tell you the worst one I've ever had? This was not a retro film. Day one, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Mm. Guy in my screening was saying the punchlines to jokes because he'd read them in the <coughs> comics mm. before they happened in the film. Mm. I nearly lost my mind. Mm. I was just sitting there going... Because like, when he first started doing it... I mean, it's annoying having anyone talk, yeah. but when he first started doing it, I was like, oh, maybe he's like getting involved and he's like excited that something he clearly really loves has come to screen but after a while it was him it was clear he was just showing off yeah oh. and you and he was by himself and he was wearing a fedora and literally every stereotype i can imagine of a comic book nerd was sitting right near me until uh, people just shouted at him and he stopped and it was great they destroyed his will. I don't like those people who laugh a bit too loudly to show that they've got the joke, and they laugh just a split second before the yeah. punchline. And then you, they'll look around at everyone. Yeah. Are you, are you enjoy that a, as well. Have you ever Austin? watched Theatre Shakespeare? That is a hotbed. <laughs> I have watched Theatre Shakespeare. People who go in, like, you know, Midsummer Night's Dream, and someone's like, I don't know, I can't remember Shakespeare quotes, but they'll make a joke that obviously doesn't make sense. Yeah, he's to not, he's not very quotable. And so. someone just goes, <laughs> you're like, fuck you, fuck you, you don't understand this as much as I don't. You just read it in cliff notes. I hate those people. Sorry, I interrupted. No, 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 no I think that's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Passion. I mean, it's been ongoing discussion as of, 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 of annoying experiences. Yeah. I was in the same, because I wasn't on last week, I was in the same screening for The Conjuring with Rory. Yeah. We were surrounded by the worst people I've ever met in my life. Remind yeah. me what they did? Well, the guy next to me, the one that I imagine Rory was complaining, was essentially Dapper Laughs' idiotic brother. Hmm. He was just, by the end of the movie, he was just talking, shouting at the screen, going, oh, bruv, what are you doing now? Why are you going down? Oh, I'm not going to sleep tonight. And then there were other like women behind us who were like laughing at his joke. Oh. I say joke in the loosest possible definition. Oh, no. And then that was egging him on because he was showing off to them. And I was just like, getting really so I was really enjoying now. the movie. Yeah. And it's just like, I... Yeah. That's terrifying. I'm, just, I'm so annoyed now. Um, oh, it's awful. Do you, what, how, where do you stand on screenings meant for fans of films? Like, I went to one for The Room where everyone shouted along and played I went, along, and I quite liked Christmas, it. Before Christmas, I went yeah, to that, a, I mean, yeah. that was the only thing that was annoying about it. I did The Room not long ago. The only thing that was annoying is I hadn't seen it before. Right. Yes, and so I couldn't, I couldn't hear what was being said. But equally, I wasn't getting angry because it was supposed to be a party. Did, yeah. so, did yours yeah. have the spoon thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think as long as it's, like, yeah. messaged in the yeah. event. Like, I went yeah. to see Die Hard before Christmas, and people weren't like it wasn't a quote along thing, but everyone was saying the lines, and it was really good fun. Everyone was getting pissed, yeah. and people saying "Bubby" um, when he oh, says that. That's a good one. 
But so you didn't know it was was it officially a quota long? I it wasn't officially a quota long. That might long. be the same as this Ghostbusters kind of thing. Yeah. Where, I don't know. It's finding the balance. Because I it? knew it was going to be like that, so I didn't mind when it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also once saw the Big Lebowski in a sort of fan screening, and no one did that, and it was really nice. It was just everyone wanted to see it in a cinema, and it was just silent, and everyone, well, apart from the laughter, um, and that was good. Like mm. it was nice to be at a fan screening where it was everyone acknowledged that it was it. like. We're just here because we want to see one of our favourite films on the big screen. Mm. I thought that was cool. I've got a very interesting interview I'm running with Paul Feig next week about uh, the Ghostbusters trailer and how that was received by uh, when they first screened it for fans. Mm. And he walked out and thought they'd nailed, absolutely nailed it because everyone got a standing ovation and they asked to watch it again. And he sort of walked away really thinking, really feeling happy. Oh, <laughs> it's no. really interesting what and he we, says. And then we put it on YouTube. And, uh... <laughs> it's very interesting what he says there about the journey of that trailer and, and how it made him feel. And yeah, fan, screening, fan screenings of stuff are very interesting. Like before Batman versus Superman, all those people on Twitter were coming out saying like, it's the greatest superhero film ever made. And it turned out they were all in a fan screening. And you're like, something happens to the psychology of people who are invited to an yeah, event I think people for are it. naturally grateful. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's human, like, like, decent human nature. You'd feel obligated in a sense. Yeah, it's bad yeah, when advertising praise on that though, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I, I get confused and conflicted by the whole thing because shouldn't the really hardcore fans like of Ghostbusters, which is what, who they invited, be the ones that didn't really like that trailer? But I guess you know you get swept away in the atmosphere, maybe. And yeah, I just also that movement's been hijacked by. Yeah, yeah. I that's think what he kind of suggests without going into too much detail. I think there are different tiers of super fans as well. Yeah. Like yeah. super fans of the material might go, "I'm so happy we're getting more material," whereas super fans of the people might go, well, they're not my Ghostbusters. Yeah. Mm. And, and also, I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they know the second bit. Well, you know, subconsciously, most people who are the worst know that they're the worst. And that's why they continue being the worst. It's a, it's a horrible cycle. Just stop being the worst, guys. You, you nailed them. Psychology. Yeah, nailed them. That's the internet shut down. I'm done. Oh, yeah, it's me. Three. The third piece of feedback. Uh, so they were talking about colour blindness last week, and I'm just going to read this. Don't know what they were talking about, but this is for anyone who is listening who wanted to know about colour blindness. From Matt Lorigan. I've decided to tackle some of the questions you guys had about colour blindness on the most recent podcast. Being colour blind isn't about seeing different colours, it's about seeing less colours. I would say fewer colours, Matt Lorigan. I struggle to see red and green, which means I can't tell purple from blue very well, as I can't see the red aspect of purple. I can work out what most colours are, but it's more from context. For example, I know the sky is blue, but a blue shirt I may think is purple. Skittles are fine. <laughs> that's what he said. I'm assuming that's a reference. <laughs> Finally, everyone who isn't colourblind must see the same colours. One person's green isn't another person's purple, as you suggested. Ooh. Were we having that discussion on last oh, week? Yeah. It's like a playground idiots. discussion. It's pretty psychology, isn't Absolute it? Absolute idiots. <laughs> what is blue? If you gave 100 people 10 colours and asked them to put them in order from lightest to darkest between white and black, they'd all put them pretty much in the same order. So we must be seeing the same colours. Kind regards, Matt Lorigan. There you go. We've cleared up colour blindness. Right. Now let's make that compulsory listening for whoever was on the podcast last week. Definitely forward that email again to Rory. <laughs> you would definitely think it was Rory getting it wrong. I think let's, I would have got bloody let's say it's annoyed. Rory. I think I would have got bloody annoyed. <laughs> right. Rory, I'm also... This is from Jared. Is this again for Rory? Bloody Rory show. Rory, I'm also named after a fictional cowboy that my dad watched on TV when Who's he was Rory a kid. named after? Who's Rory in films? Does he think he's called Rory Rogers? He's not. <laughs> Are we a generation born out of fathers? I think he's very confused here. Yeah, that's not a Our father's who love watching black, black and white westerns. <laughs> to the podcast crew, are there fictional characters from your childhood that you've always considered naming your children? Specifically from my childhood? Yeah. Or any, I guess any fictional characters you have yeah. particular yeah. affection you... for. I, don't, I feel quite embarrassed about naming my child after a fictional character. Zorro. But if I had to, Slarty Bartfast. <laughs> <laughs> I read a book about a, a very ingenious woman detective called Maisie and I always thought that was a really nice name Maisie yeah Maisie is quite a nice name what Maisie knew yeah <laughs> um Henry James <laughs> that sounded like you had a very nostalgic moment just then <laughs> yeah just thinking if there are others uh, I really like the name Dylan but that might be because I like Bob Dylan a lot my girlfriend likes the name um Hercules and Thor mm. 
but I'm going to wait. One it. name, I'm, all in one. Hercules hyphenate. What, what do you think is a strong name? Well, <laughs> let's double down. You can't beat that, Hercules and Thor. When I was a kid, um, <clears throat> I don't know if this is a fictional character or not. But when I was a kid, I really liked Michael Jackson, and thought if I had a kid, I'd want to name him Michael. I don't think that as much anymore. I think in his final embodiment, he was a fictional construct. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. part of me. <laughs> like, not that I dislike the name Michael, but if I named a kid my kid Michael, yeah. I w- it wouldn't be named after Michael Jackson anymore. It'd probably be more on the side. Portillo. Of, uh, J- it's J Fox. <laughs> it's got to be J Fox. Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, Mattus, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Uh, writes in and says, uh, on the last episode, Gav was talking about the sweary. Uh, Rude word, I'm not going to say it. Last season of Arrested Development. While I generally agree with his notion that too much creative freedom can have a negative impact on the artistic output of constraints, can be useful, I think he picked the wrong example with AD. The troubles with the fourth season are well documented, and the main reason the season was... I swear word again. It's simply the limited availability of the cast and the fact that much of the episodes were shot with green screen and the actors were often not even in the same room when shooting a scene. Obviously, this had a huge impact on the writing, chemistry, and overall quality of the show. Uh... Love the podcast. So, yeah, I mean, that's, isn't that well known? That, that that whole series is a mess because they all were available at, at different, different times. times. But could you not put the fact that they were allowed to make a season in such a ludicrous way down to the fact that they had too much creative freedom? Like, was Mitch Hurwitz not given too much freedom to make something when the cast were definitively not, not available, available and they had to be on green screen? I, for I the thought it was a really time. interesting idea, though. It just it was a great st- idea. It was just crap. It didn't work when you watched it. Yeah. Like, I only lasted about four episodes. Yeah. I didn't finish it. I, yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, because he's doing the proper chronological re edit. Where oh, really? it, it works properly as a normal season of the development. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's fair. It's like, it's like um, <laughs> when Ted's like hammering the car in Father Ted. Yeah. And he goes, is it all right? No. Nope. <laughs> Fucked it. <laughs> but be that uh, negatives being what yeah. they are, I'm interested to see whether it holds up as a good bit of comedy. Because I'm not sure it will. Did you ever watch, what, seeing the jokes not in the order they were supposed to be in? Well, in, <laughs> in, in an order that works, at least. Did anyone but... ever watch Memento in the, in the correct? No. No, I've never got yeah, There was that. supposed to be a cut on the DVD, yeah. wasn't there? I don't think it's even that easy to get hold of now. But um, It was like an Easter egg on the DVD, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? You found it. Really, that's quite intriguing, but equally, mm. I'm like, what, what's what the point? Is it in that yeah. order? No, I mean... Fairly in, straightforward story. In Memento's case, yeah, it's, that becomes a boring movie. Yeah. That's just a man wandering about looking sad. <laughs> like, that's all it is. Real, yeah. Oh, I was going to say something and I realised it was crap, so I'm not going to say it. And are we going to end with that? I think that's how we should I end it. I think that's how we should end every podcast. <laughs> Realising that what we say is crap. No more emails for Rory. And ultimately futile. No, that's it. No more um, emails for Rory. Listeners, viewers, there are other people here that you can write and ask questions yeah. for and about. It's and not it, all about Johnny Big Bollocks. Do you know what I like? And if you, you want to contact Rory, you can reach him directly on 07949. <laughs> do you know what I like is that despite you wanted to get angry at Rory about something, I am and now. you did manage to do it. I'm angry as well if he was if he was the ringleader of the colourblind conversation. <laughs> let's go it? let's go find out now. Yeah, yeah, alright. Well we all should right. end the podcast, shouldn't we? Nah, let's just leave. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.